Love in the Time of Justice. Shalom. Thank you for joining us for the Sunday Sermon of September 6, 2020 from Christ Church, Jerusalem. How the followers of Jesus address sin within the Christian community affects people inside and outside the church. Deacon Aaron Imey tells us that when the church properly addresses sin, it publicly reflects the holiness of God to the outside world and inwardly restores purity and defends the church against sin. If we truly believe that God is present within the Christian community, we will take sin seriously, seeking to address the issue with love, humility, and charity. While this is undoubtedly a difficult subject, it is a vital one as properly addressing sin enables God's church to be healthy, vibrant, and outwardly focused. You may be seated for the reading of the Word. Our first passage is taken from the Tanakh, the Old Testament, a quite famous passage from the book of Exodus about that, that memorable night upon leaving Egypt. Exodus chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the persons, according to the number of the persons. According to each man's need, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. They shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat it. Then they shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted in fire with unleavened bread. And with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Do not eat it raw, nor boiled it all with water, but roasted in fire, its head and its legs and its entrails. You and what remains of it until morning, you shall burn it with fire. And thus you shall eat it with a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. So you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So this day shall be to you a memorial you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it as a feast 
by an everlasting ordinance. This is the word of the Lord. Second reading is from the book of Romans, chapter 13, from the verse 8 until the end of the chapter. Own no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this, knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in the reverie and darkness, not in lewdness and lust, not in the strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. This is the word of the Lord. Our gospel portion is from the gospel according to Matthew chapter 18. And uh, it's from verses 15 to 20. It's how the church should deal with a sinning brother. And we will um, partake of an ancient tradition where we honor the words and teaching of the Messiah, our King. Please stand as he teaches us through his word. The good news according to Matthew. Moreover, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear, take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. What an interesting collection of verses and chapters put together on this, uh, on this reading. And on one, on one hand, they might not all seem to be related in some way. What have we got? We have very detailed preparations for the Passover Then we have the epistle where the apostle uh, reminds us to love because love is the fulfilling of the law. And this is in light. He's got an eye 
to the coming day. What day? Day of the Lord. So love, keep an eye on the coming judgment. And then you get the teachings of the Messiah. Perhaps not um, a favorite topic to be preaching from, but it is the word of the Lord and about how church should deal uh, with discipline within its ranks. When I was thinking on these themes during the week, I thought, actually, these themes are quite well held together, particularly in uh, the Hebraic context. So what does that actually mean? Well, for Jewish people, they had uh, for thousands of years been wrestling with the sacred history that they had been revealed from God, and it described the character of God. He was compassionate was merciful. He was a redeemer. He was a savior. But at the very same time, he was also a judge. He could rain down fire from heaven. The same hand that would be able to protect Israel could smack the Egyptian gods at exactly the same time. And, uh, and the book of Hebrews will remind us that the Lord is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So that same feeling and that same theology and that same, uh, those same characteristics of the Lord, compassionate, merciful judge, flows through from Hebrew Bible into Greek Bible. And I think it's uh, best done in its, in its uh, Jewish mind. God is both compassionate and a judge. And they appear to be opposites into our modern world. If we are completely honest, then the secular world and many people within the church, unfortunately, look at some of these things and go, no, don't think of God as a judge anymore. He's not the all-consuming fire. He's love, Aaron. He's merciful. Tell me a bit more about that. But we have to be fair and talk about them all. So let's have a look at the Exodus portion to begin. And um, I like this passage uh, in particular because we've been studying it recently in our Wednesday night Bible studies. If anyone would like to join on Wednesday night, we have a Bible study which is available via Zoom. The Zoom link is available on the website. Uh, we are studying the last words of Moses, and that is, uh, we've been looking at the book of Deuteronomy as Moses is giving his last final speech, preparing the children of Israel to enter the land of Canaan and actually be a just society reflecting God's character. And uh, so we had looked at his uh, in Deuteronomy 16, which talks about the Passover, and so we looked at this passage, which talked about the Passover. And we noted that in verse 1, it's very interesting. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron. Where? In the land of Egypt. Uh, normally, when God talks to Moses, he just talks to Moses. Even when Moses is supposed to go and tell Aaron what God said. Very rarely does it say, and, Aaron, and then God spoke to Moses and Aaron. Even the Shema starts with the Lord told Moses to go tell Aaron to go bless the people in this way. So when it gets to this, 
the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron. Ooh. And something interesting is going on. Perhaps it is linked to the idea of needing two witnesses for judgment. Judgment is coming, yes? And we needed two people to be able to witness this. And reading Exodus 12, particularly at this time of the calendar, because not only do we have the Christian calendar, we have the Jewish calendar, which is now heading up to Rosh Hashanah. We are about to start the new year. And yet here in Exodus, God says, spring is your new year. And so at Passover, that begins the new year. That was six months ago. Today, the new year is in the fall. And we have a text describing very specific preparation instructions that only through obedience is the angel of death going to avoid your house. And what's interesting at the first Passover is it is a community event. It is a family event. There is no special priestly distinction. The families bring in their lamb. Don't give it to a priest. You don't take it to a temple, not that you had one. You don't take it to a sacred altar, not that we had one of those either. You bring it into your home. And then God wants you to not only pay attention to your home, he wants you to pay attention to the other homes that are around you. Please look at your neighbor, and if your neighbor does not have enough money to afford their own lamb, you share. Make sure you get a lamb big enough to be able to cover everybody. So it's a family event, and it's inside the home. Now, there's an oral tradition that goes with uh, these, these stories in, in, in Jewish exegesis. The Israelites here are preparing for the Passover, and it's only through obedience by putting blood on your doorpost. Never done that before. Right? No one has done this before. And what is the characteristic of God that we're protecting ourselves from? Judgment. What do the children of Israel know about God when they're in Egypt? for 430 years. Not very much. We have not yet discovered the compassionate side of the Lord, the redeeming side, the merciful side. That's coming. But all they know that's coming right now is judgment. And they obey. 2,000 years later, we're in the loving side and the compassionate side of God. But what's coming? Judgment. At the end of everybody's Bible is a book called Revelation. I know you've all read it, and it's probably scared the pants off us because it doesn't always look like the world's going to go through some nice times. So there's a looming judgment coming. How do we respond? Well, here comes a little bit of Jewish exegesis for us. If you knew that if you put the blood of this lamb on your doorpost and everybody inside your house, beside your dwelling, however big, however small, is going to be saved, what would you do? You would put the blood on your doorpost and you'd get inside your house. Okay, great. 
everyone inside that house is going to be saved. So if you knew that everyone inside your house is going to be saved, what would you do? Be in your house? Yes. What else would you do? Invite your neighbors? Yes. Make sure as many of your friends were in there, or at least in their houses. Who else? There's an expression that we often say when things really go bad. We say, you know what? I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. God is coming to judge animals, humans. Everything in the land of Egypt will lose their firstborn unless they're inside a house covered with the blood. So what would you do? You'd get as many people as you possibly can, including... Some people would, even their enemies. So you have this idea of these Israelites going up to the Egyptians and saying, hey boss, you don't like me very much, and quite honestly, I don't like you, but you need to come to my house tonight. We're having lamb. And the Egyptians that did woke up in the morning and they saw that the love and compassion of an Israelite slave saved them. Their gods didn't, but the God of Israel did. So God, his compassionate side, was seen through Israelite behavior. And when the children of Israel leave Egypt, it says in Exodus 12, verse 38, it says, who went with them? A mixed multitude. How did they know? They woke up in the morning and they said, I'm going with you. I'm going to go with your God because your God could do this. He could bring judgment, but at the same time, somehow he can, can command love and compassion in his people. Those two themes blend well together. And they saw it through Israelite behavior. And Paul admonishes us in Romans, in the epistle to the Romans, love fulfills the law. doesn't get rid of it. So love your neighbor, love your enemy, and it'll cover a multitude of sins. Why? Put on the armor of light. Why? Because the day of darkness is coming. Love your enemies and, and love your neighbor. Why? Because the day of judgment is coming. So part of our behavior also uh, reflects the character of God now, which is attractive. Brothers and sisters, love is attractive. The way we behave with each other, the the way the community reflects this characteristics of, of the Lord that presents hope, mercy, kindness, that goes completely against the way a culture might say or evolution might say or atheism might say how you should behave. That's attractive to people who are loveless, hopeless, and alone. And it's good because now they're inside the community. And a special day is coming. And we want as many as we can to be inside the house with us. So now we have a community of believers, Jews and Gentiles. And the Messiah teaches 
the spirit of God, the name of God, the presence of God, all of that is going to be inside the community, reflected in the people that bear his name, behave like him, imitate his character. And so we had better be careful with ourselves. So what do we do when things go wrong? Because unfortunately, church is made up of humans. It's got me in it. It's got you in it. We don't always behave the way we should. And so our master gives us some instruction as to how we should behave. And uh, it's not often done, unfortunately, but it should be. And it starts by talking. The power of the tongue. What does the Messiah say? He says, when your brother sins against you, then speech becomes incredible. Speech is very powerful. In the beginning was the word, and the word spoke, and the word created. can give life. As other passages in the Bible remind us that speech is a two-edged sword. The same tongue can bless, the same tongue can curse. So let's be careful. So what do we do? We go to our brother quietly, alone, and we talk. And it is enough if he hears you. It doesn't say, uh, and then he repents. And he admits his fault. That's the work of the Spirit. It starts with us talking. You don't gossip. The first thing we shouldn't do is start telling each other what what we've all done and spreading around because that actually dishonors the name of the Lord. It certainly doesn't lift him up. Instead, to honor the name of the Lord, you go and you speak. And then uh, he hears you. But if he doesn't, then you take the extra witnesses. And it could be that this is the reason why God speaks to Moses and Aaron. And thirdly, there's a third step. If this still has not brought restitution um, and and, and, uh, uh, recovery for the community, the church is involved. And it's interesting that the word church, ecclesia, is very rarely used in the Bible. In fact, it's only used twice, both times in the Gospel of Matthew, here in uh, Matthew 18 and once again in Matthew 16. And here we are talking about a community of Jewish people who follow the Messiah. Gentiles are going to get included too. Lots of them. But the initial use of the word ecclesia, church, is in a very Jewish context. This portion of scripture, this teaching of discipline within the community, isn't unique to the Messiah. There were other Jewish communities that said exactly the same thing. Who are they? Uh, Have you guys heard of the Dead Sea Scrolls community? The Dead Sea sect, those uh, people who live out there in Qumran and other places. Well, they wrote commentaries to every book of the Bible except for Esther. They also wrote a bunch of other books. They had their own little version of Revelation. And uh, they also wrote a book called The Community Rule, which online you can look it up. 1QS. Just type that in and you'll get a free copy of the community rule. So here's a community that had uh, uh, some ideas of how you dealt with a, a wayward brother. And it is exactly the same three step. 
you go one at a time. All attempts at reconciliation start with one-on-one. And members should rebuke each other, they say, in love, humility, and charity. Because if, you, if the brother repents, you gain your brother back. You have honored the Lord. The name of the Lord has not been dishonored. Why is that important? Because God is present in your community. In this same passage, Jesus says, where two or three are gathered and speak in my name, I am with them. So speech is incredibly important. Yes, indeed. This is a very similar uh, expression found in the Mishnah. What is the Mishnah, I hear you ask? It's uh, the early part of what we call the Talmud, uh, written somewhere between 100 and 100, the, the early Pirkeavot. And they say, if two sit together and discuss the words of the Torah, then the Shekinah, the divine presence, rests between them. Just as Jesus says, where two or three are gathered and speak in my name, I am present. So be careful. The name of Jesus can indeed be dishonored by our deeds. And so discipline is incredibly important. Yes, God is love. Yes, he is full of compassion. Yes, he is merciful. And he will cover us with blood. And you want as many people as you can inside the community. And then the presence of God is also going to be there. When God gets his people out of Egypt, what does he say? Build me a tabernacle. Why? I like tents. No, I want to live with you. So God is present with us. But if we dishonor his name, then we're not reflecting his character. Then he's not sitting with us as powerfully and as strongly as he would like to. And so it's incredibly important. And so the Messiah gives us this teaching. And unfortunately, we can see it in churches that don't do this. They allow sin to remain in the camp. It seems quite strong, the uh, expulsion from the community. What does Jesus say? If he refuses to hear the church, let him be to you like heathens or pagans and tax collectors. Those guys are always given a bad rap. Why would you want to expel somebody from the community? I thought we were supposed to bring everybody in. But this is part of the holiness of God. God is holy. God is life. So in the the Hebrew Bible, he said, you don't bring death anywhere near me. Why? Because I'm life. Reflect my character. If you're going to give me an offering, it had better be unblemished. And so you would bring your lamb in on the 10th and you would keep him there for three days. You would cuddle him and, and, and feed him and do all those kinds of things, but you'd also check him. You'd have a three-day look to see if he's unblemished. And interestingly, in Luke, 
when Jesus is in Jerusalem in, uh, in chapter 18 or 19, I think it is, then it says he stopped going to Bethany. Instead, he would go from the temple to the Mount of Olives. He would stay within the house of God for three days, being checked by his Father in heaven. And he was without a blemish. So God is present in our community. The community needs to reflect his holiness. So if there's people that are not and they're dishonoring the name of God and they're weakening the weakness, no one's going to want to join. So this passage is incredibly important. And after 2,000 years, we still haven't quite got this right, but we need to. We need to remember to rebuke each other in love humility and charity. We want restitution. We want a brother to be restored. This will give honor to the name of God. This will empower his presence within our community. As we speak words with each other, Jesus says, I will be there. A very powerful thing. And the world will see. The world will see. Some of them will want to join. It's not going to chase them away. So bringing all these themes together. The calling of the believer, that's us, and the community of believers, it is a community event. Just like the Passover was a community event. You see it all in our prayers. It is our Lord, our Father, our faith. Come and join us. The community of believers, our our mission is to seek and save the lost and to defend the weak. This is the character of God. And this character of God should be reflected in his people through our attitudes and through our behavior, particularly in our attitudes and behavior within the community. And so it does have an aspect of discipline. Outwardly, church discipline reflects publicly on the holiness of God. Do we honestly believe that our God is pure, holy, sacred, special, doesn't like sin we can't leave that within ourselves our actions in towards this will defend the honor of the lord inwardly within the church then following the teachings of the messiah will restore purity to each other and it will defend the church against sin something that our lord has paid a most incredible price to defeat. So brothers and sisters, the call today, the challenge today is that you and I are to love for love fulfills the law. Let us guard our lips for they can both curse and bless. And let us make sure that our actions are giving honor and glory to the Lord, maintaining a body of the Messiah that so reflects his character that it will be attractive to a world that needs hope, redemption, peace, safety, security, and love. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you've been blessed by this teaching, let us know by leaving a comment on our Facebook page, on SoundCloud, or by leaving a review in Apple Podcasts. You can offer practical support by giving a donation at ChristChurchJerusalem.org. Thank you, and blessings from the City of the King.